one of the things that I miss about when we were in the office was when we all got together, we'd say, you know, there are so many clients who've gone debt free this week. And um, we talk about uh, people's stories without going into specifics. So without identifying people, but we say, you know, this client had this many debts and they've been working for two or three years and now they've gone debt free. And it was a real opportunity to celebrate and notice the difference that we were making to people's lives. Hello and welcome to Mothers Matter podcast. This is the podcast that talks about why mothers matter and the things that matter to mothers. Um, Today we're going to be talking about debt and poverty. Um, I'd like to just start with a few statistics. Uh, I mean, it may be something that you're experiencing yourself and you don't need statistics, but um, I think it's quite sobering to know what a problem this is for so many of us in the country. So uh, for a lone parent family, it costs £28, 22p per day to raise a child, um, whereas a couple, it costs £23, 25p per day to raise a child to the age of 18. And I assume that's because um, they don't they maybe don't have as many childcare costs. Um, 1.5, one and a half properties were repossessed every day in October to December 2020. So that is one every 15 hours and 46 minutes of people who are having to leave their homes and move into rented accommodation. The Citizens Advice Bureau dealt with 1,616 debt issues every day in the year to February 2021. The average uh, unsecured debt so i.e. not mortgages, possibly not car loans, so unsecured debts, which is uh, credit cards and loans, per UK adult in January 2021 was £3,763. The average credit card debt per household in January 2021 was £2,009. I'm not sure if that is credit card debt in arrears or just... um, Uh, actual balances. But anyway, that's quite a high amount. And the average increase in debt and arrears since March 2020, so a year ago, amongst those who've fallen behind on bills or borrowed for essentials is £2,300. So that that is the amount that debt has increased per person in uh, the last year for those who have fallen behind. So um, looking at those are figures from the money charity, Looking at the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, who generally um, they campaign on issues of poverty, in the poorest fifth of households, 16% have problem debts. The percentage of people, when you look at the percentage of people in persistent poverty, uh, the single family with children is 24%. So 24% of single families with children are in persistent poverty. Whereas a couple with children, it's 11%. And actually, even higher than that, the single female pensioner is 13%. And I wonder if that's carried on from a lifetime of um, looking after children and therefore falling behind on income throughout. Lone parents have the highest in-work poverty level of all family types. So people who are actually working, but are lone parents, they are most likely to be in poverty. And they're usually women who are usually often working in a low wage sector. They're working fewer hours and they're restricted by childcare and transport. And 19% of people in privately rented households are, um, have 
are in poverty. So 19% of private those in privately rented households have got falling support from housing benefit and they are uh, generally pulled into poverty. Um, more than 100,000 people in debt attempt suicide every year and people in problem debts are three times more likely to have considered suicide than those not in problem debts. And then I'd like to add one more um, load of statistics. This is looking at single income families. And this is something I covered in the podcast on taxation in series one, where you have a single income family. So it's two, maybe two parents living together, but um, only one is earning, usually because the other is caring for children. They pay significantly more tax per person, per family than people in dual income families. So if the whole total household income is £20,000, they will be paying £220 more per month than a couple who are both earning that amount of money. When you look at a single income family who are earning £40,000, so just one of them is earning, they're on £40,000, they are paying £3,642 in tax more per year, which is £304 per month, than if two people were earning the same amount of money. So there is a massive penalty on families where only one person is earning. So this comes uh, around full circle to either lone parent families or um, dual um, parent families, but with one income, they are more likely to be in debt and poverty uh, on the one side, because if they're a single family, they maybe don't have any, um, they aren't able to work because they don't have the childcare. Um, if it's a single income family, they're more likely to suffer because of taxation, which is um, imposed on them by the government. I mean, taxation, obviously, everyone needs to pay taxes, but it's um, unfair when it is charged more on a single income family than a dual income family. So that is just to set the scene for debts um, and poverty in the UK. Um, I've been joined by Fiona Lloyd, who works for the debt charity Christians Against Poverty. And she is going to be my guest today, talk about how CAP help people out of poverty, out of debt, and uh, hopefully give you some ideas and some advice if that's something that you're struggling with as well. So I hope you find it useful. Well, Fiona, thank you so much for your time today and uh, talking with me about poverty and the advice you give to people. Um, uh, hopefully it'd be a really useful session for anyone who's who's facing any difficulties at the moment. So thank oh, you. No, thank you for inviting me. It's really good to be here and I'm looking forward to thank talking to you a bit more. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, um, should we start just by talking about what do you do in terms of advice? Um, what's your role within um, CAP, within Christians Against Poverty? Um, so I'm based at our head office, although like most people at the moment, I'm working remotely. Um, and the way CAP works is we work through local centres and we have people in the locality that go out and visit clients and help them to gather information about their income and expenditure and their debts. And then that's sent up to our head office. And then somebody like me takes a look at it all and tries to make some sense of it and work out what the best advice is for the client in terms of moving forward and getting out of debt. So my job is to, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle, putting everything together. And I also spend time talking on the phone with clients and with our local staff. 
Okay. All right. Well, it sounds like um, a really useful job to be doing. Do do you find um, it makes real difference to people's lives? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I miss about when we were in the office was when we all got together, we'd say, you know, there are so many clients who've gone debt free this week. And um, we talk about uh, people's stories without going into specifics. So without identifying people, but we say, you know, this client had this many debts and they've been working for two or three years and now they've gone debt free. And it was a real opportunity to celebrate and notice the difference that we were making to people's lives. Yes. Well, what is it that usually um, propels people to come and uh, talk to you or to to contact CAB? A mixture of things, really. Um, I think some people are referred by their GP, for instance, or one of their creditors or a a social worker, community worker who can see that they're struggling. Um, Sometimes it's the fact that um, there's action being threatened against the client because they've sort of maybe bury their heads in the sand a little bit and not paid bills and not kept up the council tax or the rent and so on. And so um, they get threatening letters and they realise that they need to do something about it. Um, I think sometimes it's just the volume of letters that come through and people look at that and think, actually, I need to, you know, I've got a problem here. I can't pay these and I don't know what to do. So I'll try and find some help. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is the, um, not necessarily the definition of poverty, but the, de- the sort of situations that people find themselves in hypothetically? What's their sort of income level or, or what's happened in terms of debts? So it's hard to say in terms of specific income level because everybody's situation is so different. Uh, but if people are in circumstances where they haven't got enough money, to pay their ongoing bills or they can pay the bills but that doesn't leave them with enough to live on to buy enough food for the week or perhaps they're feeding the children but can't manage to buy food for themselves um, I think that's you know a, a situation where we would say they're in poverty often clients have to make a decision between whether they're going to buy food this week or whether they're going to heat the house um, whether they can turn the power up and that's that's a real issue for a lot of people so people who can't afford to sort of manage all those things are, are living in poverty. Right. And what happens um, in terms of getting into that situation? Is it um, generally people who just don't have enough coming in to start with or people who have not had much coming in to start with and then have had to take out debts and then they're spending a lot of money paying off the debts? So there's a mixture of people. I mean, there are lots of people in this country who are on a very low income to start off with so you know actually having enough to cover the basics um particularly if you live somewhere where rent is very high so like if you live in london uh, your rent's likely to be higher some some people just haven't got enough money to cover all the things that they need to pay for and you know we're just talking about basics here we're not talking about anything fancy or uh, anything extra um some some people just Maybe they become unemployed or their hours reduce at work. Um, you know, people have been put on furlough sometimes. You know, that's a really good scheme, but sometimes people aren't getting that topped up by their employer or they're not getting the overtime opportunities they had before. So their income decreases um, and they're not able to keep up with the bills. And then that becomes a, a sort of vicious spiral because, you know, you can't pay your bill one month and you think you'll pay it next month, but actually you still can't afford to pay it and the arrears start building up. Mm. And do you see, um, is it particularly mothers or single income families or single parents who, who get into that situation? Or, or do you see a lot of people in that situation? We see an awful lot of people in that situation, but obviously it's, 
it's, it's harder for single parents in particular because um you know they've got all the, the expenditure but they haven't got a huge amount of income coming in and with mothers particularly they have childcare responsibilities often so they can't go out to work or if they do go out to work they have to fit it around the children much more so they end up in lower paid jobs and with fewer hours mm. Mm. Um, so what sort of um, well if we took a situation a hypothetical situation of someone what would you say would be a typical situation in terms of debts would there be credit card debts or arrears on council tax what what sort of um, borrowings do people end up doing or debts do they take on so I mean, I think it's changed in cap over the years. I've, I've only been there a couple of years, but I think initially when we started, it was much more credit card debts and loans and things like that. But I think as people's economic situations have got uh, tighter, it's become much more about those what we'd call the priority debts, so things like council tax um, and rent, not being able to make those payments, or perhaps the utility bills, not being able to keep on top of those. So most of the people we see have a mixture these days of um, what we'd call the priority debts, the, the, the council tax, the, the utilities and uh, the rent and so on, the sort of basics of living. And then they'd have some other debts, maybe from credit cards or bank loans or bank overdrafts um, that have got out of hand as well. Mm. Has there been an issue with um, <clears throat> rent? Because didn't it used to be paid directly to the landlord and now it's paid into a joint into the account? Is that... Is that something that's made a difference? It can do. I mean, it's quite a lot of our clients still have their rent paid directly to the landlord, um, particularly if there have been issues in the past with keeping on top of the rent. A lot of clients do have to manage their rent payments themselves. Um, and then when they've got competing demands on their finances, it's easy to think, well, I'll pay the rent next week and it won't matter if it's a week late and then it slips and it slips and all of a sudden, you know, mm. it, it becomes a huge problem. I think the the problem is that for a lot of our clients, most of their rent or part of their rent will be paid by hard housing benefit or by universal credit housing element, um, but there'll be a top up for them to pay. And so most of it goes directly from their universal credit to the landlord or from housing benefits to the landlord, but there's a top up and they they forget to pay the top up or they don't realise that they have to pay a top up. And so actually they build up rent arrears almost without thinking about it because uh, they haven't managed to keep on top of that little extra bit they're supposed to manage themselves. Mm. So if you had someone with a mixture then of rent arrears, um, <clears throat> utility bill arrears, credit card debt, um, and maybe a loan, you know, a payday loan, what, uh, how would you, what would you do with them? Well, you know, you'd sit them down and then where would you start? So obviously we start with listing all the debts and seeing how much is owed and where. Um, we'd look at their income and their expenditure and see what they're left with after all of that is covered, um, which is what we call the sort of disposable income, the, the, the extra bit that's left at the end. And then we would prioritise things like council tax and rent arrears um, because obviously, you know, if you don't pay your rent, eventually you're at risk of eviction. So there are pretty serious consequences. And it's the same with council tax and utility bills. You know, if you don't pay electricity, eventually you might get cut off or they might come and fit a pre prepayment meter um, which means that you know you, you've got to keep topping that up to in order to have electricity uh, coming into the house so we 
prioritise payments to those debts, um, but also try and make sure that something's available to go towards the loans, the credit card bills and so on. Where do you where do they get the money from though? If if it's someone who's you know struggling to feed themselves or their children, where where do they how do they start paying off um, debts and rent arrears and so on? So there's there's more than one route out of debt. So I mean we've talked about people paying off, which is a, a sort of repayment. Um, some of our clients have just got so little money coming in and so much debt that actually the only realistic way for them to get out of debt is for them to go through bankruptcy or through a debt relief order, which is a, a form of bankruptcy. Um, so, you know, if money's really, really tight and we're having to maybe reduce what they think they ought to be spending on on things like food um, anyway, then we might be looking at an insolvency route to help them get out of debt. What would that involve? So there are different types of insolvency and that depends on how much disposable income they've got and the level of the debts as well. But so with the people you're talking about where money's really, really tight, um, as long as they've got under £20,000 of debt, it's more likely to be a debt relief order, which is quicker to be processed um, and the fees for that are cheaper. Um, and sometimes those fees can be found uh, through grants and so on. And it just means... What, that what's a... What does it mean having a debt relief, relief order? order? So it means that most of their debts would be written off. There are certain debts that aren't covered in that, um, as there would be in a bankruptcy. Um, so if you've got child maintenance arrears, those aren't cleared in a bankruptcy. Um, if you've got a what's called a social fund loan, which is less common now, that a lot of people are on universal credit, but those don't clear. Court fines don't clear. And there's one or two other things as well. Um, Student, student loan, if you've got a student loan, that wouldn't clear. But most things like credit cards, bank overdrafts, um, rent arrears, council tax arrears would be wiped off basically in a, a debt relief order. There are implications in terms of your, your name will be in the, on the insolvency register for six years. So it will limit your ability to take out credit in the future for a while. Um, but actually, we, we would be encouraging our clients not to take out more credit anyway, because that's often what gets them in, into a mess in the first place. Mm. Um, so are there any other implications other than you can't take out any more loans? Uh, does it come up for job applications or anything or is it uh, just just to do with finance? There, there are a few jobs where it would have an impact and we um, if we thought that was going to be an issue, we would advise the client to, you know, go and get specialist advice elsewhere. So, you know, if you were working in the finance industry, for instance, or wanting to, um, you know, that that would be an issue. Um, I think if you want to be a trustee of a charity, I think that's an issue as well. Um, you know, so there are uh, are a few things. And also if you're, if you've not got permanent leave to remain, so if you've got indefinite leave to remain, but you haven't actually got British citizenship, but that's something you want to apply for in the future. It might impact on that, you know, and in those cases, we'll be looking really hard to see if there's any other way that the client could get out of debt. Um, and, and we'd also look at things like encouraging clients to check that they're getting all the benefits they're entitled to and think about whether there's other ways they can increase their income or reduce their expenditure, which might give them a more realistic chance of uh, repaying their debts anyway. And where would you suggest they go to get advice about benefits? Uh, speak to Citizens Advice Bureau would be uh, the place we'd always say to, to start. Um, 
they can give a good advice on benefits. Um, we're not benefits experts. You know, we have might have an idea of what people are entitled to. And if there's something really obvious they're missing, um, we can usually say, you know, go and talk to somebody about your benefits. But um, we would say speak to somebody with a specialism in that. Um, there are, if you want a rough idea, there are online checks as well. You could, there's a, site, a website called Entitled To, and you can put your details in there and it will give you a, um, a sense of what you might be entitled to. And sometimes people find that they might be entitled to some council tax support, for instance, which they're not thought about, which would make their budget easier. So it's worth looking at those just to get a rough idea as well. Mm. So with the debt relief orders, the the uh, is I mean, how often would people go for one of those? Right. So, so what I probably should have said about the, with a debt relief order, yeah, um, if you've had one within the past six years, you can't have another one. So. Um, so there, there is a limit on it that way as well. Yes. But is it something that is um, a good option for people or is it just the inconveniences? Are, it's only if you're absolutely desperate you'd get one of those. It, it's a good option. I mean, we would always look at sort of how, how long we thought it would take somebody to repay their debts. Um, and if it's less than five years, we'd probably be encouraging them to look at doing that Um but some of the cases I look at, you've got people who it's going to take 30 and 40 years to repay their debts because they've just got so little income coming in. Um, you know, sometimes they don't have very, they don't have huge debts, but their income is just so tight. Um, so in those cases, it's not realistic to expect somebody to be repaying for, for 30 years. Um, so mm. we would be, you know, directing them towards a form of insolvency. So would you, with people who can repay or you look at their income um, and expenditure, would you get involved with talking to the different creditors? I mean, will the creditors, the, uh, you know, the rent, the landlord and the credit cards and so on, and the um, energy companies, would they look, would you talk to them and say, right, we're going to reduce how much you have to pay each month? Or how does it work? Absolutely. So, um when I do my, my bit and I put the information together in a budget, um, that goes back to the client and the local worker will go through that with them and then it'll come back and we'll make any adjustments that we think are necessary. Um, but then we'll we'll agree with the client um, which, which creditors we're going to pay through cap and which they'll maintain themselves. So sometimes like with the um, rent arrears, they might have an agreement with the landlords. You know, if the arrears aren't too high, they're going to pay a set amount a month and they, they think they can manage that. So we'd leave that with them. Um, but often we'll just pay the debts through the cap, what we call a cap plan. And that's a, a list of all their debts. And we set up the amounts that we think should be going to each one. We have, you know, sort of guideline figures um, for lower limits on that. But obviously, with things like rent and council tax, we try and put as much towards that as we can. And then we'll send letters out to creditors and say, you know, this is what we're offering to pay on behalf of the client. Um, and most creditors are pleased that something is, is happening, something has been done and they're going to get some money back. So often they will accept a sort of lower offer from ourselves than they, they've actually been asking of the client just because they recognise there's a plan here and the money is going to be coming back in. And will they will they suspend interest payments or are they do they charge interest generally on on um, well debts? Um, so if we were taking on debts on behalf of the club, paying the debts on their behalf, um, then we would always write to the creditors and ask them to suspend interest charges. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. 
Um, but again, it's it carries more clout if we ask them to do that than if the client just approaches them on their own. So it, it is, mm. yeah, you know, it's worth that client coming to us and we can then ask those when questions. You say, when, when you say you pay through CAP, does the client pay you a set amount and then you yes. pay it all yeah. off? Or is yeah. CAP, CAP's not actually paying it? No, CAP's not. Right. Yes, should make that clear. <laughs> so, yeah, so the, <laughs> that would be nice. But, um, so, the, the, yeah, yes. the client, we would agree with the client how much they're going to pay in each month based on what we think they can afford. Um, and they would set up a standing order to pay that in once a month. And then we would make those payments out to the creditors. Um, so all the money that the clients pay into us goes out to creditors or goes in. Sometimes they have a little savings pot with us as well, um, but it doesn't it doesn't come to cap as an organisation. And there's no charge for what you do, is there? No. To the client? Not at all. It's free. No. Free. Always free. Yes. Um, do you find um, sort of psychologically that there's a, a shift in people's attitude when they they start talking with you and set up these plans? I think for a lot of people there is. I think part I think part of the problem being in debt is it just feels overwhelming and when you're getting all these letters coming from various creditors, um, some of them very aggressive and you get to that stage where you don't you don't know what to do and you don't know who to pay first and, and sometimes the creditors who are most aggressive aren't actually the ones you should be paying first anyway. Um so I think just being able to talk to somebody and have some sense of order and say, look, here's a plan. You know, this is how you can get out of debt. For I think a lot, a lot of people, that's a huge relief. Um, I think, mm. you know, some people still find it difficult, maybe until that they've actually got to that point of being debt free because they can't believe it's it's really going to happen. Um, but it, it certainly makes a difference to, to people, how people feel about their, their money problems. Mm. And so when, when people are working through a debt plan with you, do you have a way of stopping them taking on new debts? It's it's one of the conditions of working with us. And we do ask clients to sign an agreement uh, when we set up their cap plan that they won't take out further credit. Um, and we're quite quite strict about that because obviously if they keep on taking out further credit, they're just not going to get out of debt. Um, you know, there, there might be very few exceptions to that, but we would, you know, if they thought there was a genuine reason for an exception, then we would say, come and talk to us first. Mm. Yes. Uh, with um, the child maintenance payments, do you get involved with that at all if it's a mother who's trying to get child maintenance from their partner? No. I mean, we would always say to a single parent, you know, are you able? Are you able to get some child maintenance if you're not already getting it? Um, and one of the ways you can do that is go through something called the child maintenance service. Um, so we would direct people to that. They take a small percentage of what's paid in to, to cover their costs. Um, but it's a good way of getting regular payments set up if that's that's been a difficulty. Mm. So when you go through people's um, income with them and expenditure, what sort of things are do you count as um, essential? I mean, things like the internet and so on, would you count that as an essential expenditure? And would creditors recognise that as an essential expenditure? Yeah, they would absolutely, and we would as well. Um, I think particularly over the last year, we've all seen how how useful it is to have the internet and how it, you know difficult it is to manage without it. Um, so th there's the obvious things in expenditure, you know, the rent payments, council tax, utility bills and so on. Um, 
food, clothes, you know, all the things you might expect, but then also something for a mobile phone or telephone, um, a t TV package. Um, all of these creditors are quite happy to accept as long as they aren't sort of spending ridiculous amounts on those. So if we think a client's got a f mobile phone contract, which is very expensive, we would say we'd encourage them to find a different contract um, because questions creditors might come back and question that. But they're quite happy for clients to have a mobile phone, um, to have a, you know, not not very not too expensive television package um also to have a, a small amount going towards savings and a small amount going towards leisure we have run cap money courses i think there are still a few going on but that's what be more difficult in the pandemic but we often direct people to cap money courses because that that will help them to learn budgeting skills um so that hopefully once they get to the point of being debt free they, they can stay debt free because they're in a better position to understand how best to manage their finances. What, what advice would you give people for budgeting and managing finances? I think it really, I, mean, I really like the way we do it because we list absolutely everything. And I think one of the problems with budgeting is people, you know, they remember the rent and the council tax and the electricity, but they, they only have a vague idea of how much they spend on food. Um, you know, they forget things like the landline or to allow a bit for leisure or a bit for savings. You know, if, if you've got family birthdays coming up, you need have have, have worked out how you're going to cover the cost of of that item. So I, I think, you know, it's write down everything that you spend. Maybe, maybe look at your bank statement and see what actually what you're spending money on. Um, work out what you're spending on food. Um, you know, I, I know it's it's quite easy to go out and think, oh, you know, I'll have a takeout tonight and then you have another one next week. And things like that really bump up the cost of your food. And when you stop and look at it, you think, actually, <laughs> um, you know, I'm spending much more on food than I thought. Do I need to um, look at the way I do that? But but certainly write everything down, you know, all the th people you you owe money to, all the people you pay on a regular basis, so the, the, the rent and so on, or the mortgage, if you've got a mortgage. Um, try and work out realistically what you're going to spend on food and clothes. You know, clothes clothes is a hard one because people buy things now and then. They don't tend to spend the same amount every month. So that's that's quite a hard one to calculate, but it's really worth uh, working it out and, and making a note of it so that you can then allocate an average monthly figure to that expenditure. Have you got any advice for people in terms of, um, again, psychologically, in terms of not spending? I mean, I know when we've had difficult financial times in the past, I've been thinking, well, I'll delay, just delaying expenditure is much easier than thinking I'll never buy that. You think I'll buy it next month. <laughs> I'm just going to wait until the pay comes in and then I'll buy it next month. And then the next month, think, oh, maybe I can wait another month or so. Have you, have you got any tips like that? Having, having that awareness I think of what's available really helps. Um, I think you're thinking about, you know, I'll wait till next month or say, you know, for the next month, I'm going to try not to have any takeouts and, you know, see what difference that makes to my budget. Um, and, you know, and I'll, I'll reward myself on my birthday or something by, you know, going out, uh, going out for a meal or treating myself, th things like that. So, you know, if you set a target for the future, um, so you're working towards it, it can be helpful. So is it in terms of people being able to start saving and having a bit more money, is it that um, they've stopped spending on, because I get the impression, you know, that people on very low incomes, it's not that they're 
frittering away mm. money everywhere. It's just there isn't. <laughs> the, the money isn't there. So where is the savings coming from? Is it on the reduced payment on the debts? Is that what frees up? the savings yeah so I suppose I'm, I'm thinking you know with the savings it's often more about the you know the clients who can afford to repay off but it takes them a while to do um it, it's really hard if you've got on a very tight income and there's just no no money there for savings at all um I mean you can say um often people particularly you know particular people on universal credit for instance if they're taken out in advance that's quite a bit off that can be quite a bit off the universal credit so you know you can say when you get debt free you haven't got that advance payment every month so that's going to be an extra 50 pounds in your coming into your universal credit every month so you can try and help people sort of focus on on that end point of getting debt free and say actually then you know because you're not paying towards these debts um you'll have a little bit more money to go around um, but if people are on very tight budgets we would try and encourage them to look at ways as well is there any way you can reduce your outgoing? So, some, sometimes with pe people with a higher rent, it's you know, is there any op opportunity for you to move somewhere that's a bit cheaper? Um, not not always the case. So you know, that's a really hard one. Um, I think you know, we just say you know, is there any way you could increase your income? So maybe if you if if you're working part time, can you increase your hours slightly? Have a think about that. Um, so we try and help them to find ways just to build up their income a little bit um, so that it's not just all going on their expenditure and that actually they might have a little bit left at the end of the month. Mm. Do you work with many people who have got a decent income, but um, how the debts have built up for very, like if you're suddenly your car breaks or something, you need to buy a new car or whatever, suddenly you've, you're doing okay and then something goes wrong or the main earner gets ill or something. Do, are there many people in that situation who come to you? Quite quite a number. Um, I mean, I think mo a large percentage of our clients are on tend to be on benefits. Um, but we do have clients who've got jobs and their jobs aren't paying enough or maybe their jobs hours have reduced at work and suddenly, you know, they, they had quite a comfortable income and their income's dropped Um because of illness, because of um, hours reducing or whatever, or that, you know, maybe they've had to take a, a lower paid job for some reason and it's, you know, tipped them over for being in a reasonably comfortable position and sort of getting by okay to suddenly it's a real stretch to make ends meet. Um, you know, and you get people who've, as you say, have taken out a loan for a car when everything was fine and then suddenly they lose the job or the hours are reduced, um, you know, and they've still got this big car loan and it, you know, if you've got a nice car on higher purchase, it's a really hard thing to think about giving that up. So th thinking about um, Christians Against Poverty, uh, can you tell us a bit about how it was set up and why? Um, yeah, so it's actually our 25th birthday this year, which is uh, really exciting. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> um, so we're set up by John Kirkby, um, 25 years ago, obviously. Um, John's written a lot about this in his book, Nevertheless, which tells about himself, but also the story of Cap. Um, and he's very open about the fact that he had uh, money difficulties and was in a mess for a long time and then sort of got into a bit more of an even keel and wanted to, to help people in similar situations. Um, you know, and he's we're often told the story of how Cap started his kitchen table with, with £10. <laughs> and that, that was his helping the first person and it sort of grew from there and from being an operation that was based in his house mainly and 
um, people who came to to work for CAP didn't always know if they'd get paid at the end of the month initially because um, it was it was really difficult to get all the funds that required um, into being based in building in the middle of Bradford um, and employing lots of people. Mm. Um, and in terms of housing, um, I mean, rent is obviously expensive. Buying a house is very expensive. Uh, do you do you see the impact of um, rent issues on on people's income levels? Absolutely. And you know, if if you if you're living in an area where rents are very high, that that's really difficult. If you're privately renting, um, then you won't necessarily be getting full housing benefit either, which is a, a huge issue for our clients. You know, if, if that's not covered, then they have to find a top up. Um, that can make a huge difference to their budget. Um, um, why wouldn't sorry? Why wouldn't they get full housing benefit if they're renting privately? Um, so what's because of what's been uh, come to be known as the, the bedroom tax. So if you have if you're deemed to have extra bedrooms. Oh. Um, then you get a reduction in how much housing benefit you're entitled to. Um, but, but that's really difficult for clients. You know, they might, maybe they were living in a three-bedroom property because they had two teenage children and then one grows up and, you know, the older one grows up and leaves home and all of a sudden you've got a spare bedroom. But actually finding another property um, could be quite difficult. So you get, you get stuck there, um, you know, and just the process of moving to another property is expensive in itself you know if you've not if you've got to hire a van to move your furniture or you've got to buy new items for another property then sometimes that makes it you know too expensive to be manageable and it, you know people don't have that cushion behind them to say well you know I, this is going to be an expensive move but I'm going to be better on the, off in the long run so I'll I can manage it and it's you know when you haven't got mm. that those resources behind you it, it's really hard to change your situation. Yes, and uh, we've also heard, uh, well, Mothers at Home Matter have had stories of um, mothers who are in a, um, you know, married or in a relationship, uh, but they can't get rent because the landlord wants two incomes from the from the couple. I don't know if you've, you've heard about that at all. Um, not specifically, but I know, you know, there's all, all sorts of issues around, you know, landlords aren't supposed to turn people down with benefits and they do and, you know... That there are lots of regulations in place to to try and make sure that people are treated fairly, but it's it's really hard to police that sometimes. Um, mm. And people come with you know, and we we do have issues like you know um, clients who might be living in somewhere that's not really not really fit for human habitation, but it, they can't find somewhere else, and the landlord's absent, um, and you know mm. it's it's difficult to do something about their situation. I should say, in fairness, that there are lots of landlords as well who are who are really helpful and you know want engage with us around our clients and want to help and support them and you know obviously they want their debts to be repaid but they are keen to help the the clients uh, f find a way out of their mess. So you know there are lots of good landlords around there around as well. Mm. Um, and you mentioned earlier on about um, uh, evictions and of course they've been put on hold during coronavirus haven't they during yes. covid so do you think there's going to be a, a an increase when that restrictions lifted or do you find landlords who are in poverty because they've got someone living in their properties not paying and they can't get rid of them um i'm sure there are landlords in poverty i don't, I don't think they've come to us specifically because of that but i think it's a really mm. you know if you're a, a private landlord um you know maybe just renting out 
one or two properties and somebody's not paying their way, then obviously that's going to have a huge impact on your finances and that's that's difficult for them as well. Mm. I think in terms of evictions, I think probably some people realise they can't be evicted at the moment and have therefore sort of take the foot off the gas in terms of dealing with their debts. So I suspect that there will be an increase of people seeking debt advice um, once evictions resume because people, it sort of focuses your mind rather that you've got to get this dealt Mm -hmm. with. Um, And what was it that um, brought you to work with CAP? What made you decide to go and work there? Um, Well, so it's it's quite different because before I was a, a music teacher for many years and I travelled around different schools uh, mainly teaching violin which was which was really interesting and satisfying um, but I've been doing it for a long time and I got to the stage thinking I'd quite like to do something different and I'd had in the back of my head for a while that I'd like to work for a charity um, but I wasn't really sure in what capacity because um, I'm not the sort of person who'd be comfortable uh, trying to do lots of fundraising but I followed I'd, I'd been aware of CAP for a while um, and the work that they do and I followed them on Twitter and I saw this job advertised and I thought, well, that sounds really interesting and I'd like doing that. Um, I, I, I taught music, but actually my degree was in math, so I do like working with numbers. So the idea of sort of doing stuff with numbers uh, appealed to me as well. Um, and the idea of making a difference in people's lives was very attractive. So I came to CAP. And do you find that most of the people you, you help are successful in getting um, debt free? I don't know what the statistics are. I mean, I, I think a lot of them are. Um, it de- depends a bit on the individual clients because some people don't sort of engage with the, pro- the process. They come and ask for help, but then actually, for some reason, they disengage. And that, that's often down to other issues in clients' backgrounds. So, so I've talked about uh, a lot of clients having mental health issues, but there are other issues as well. Um, and sometimes those issues just sort of take take over and they can't really focus on the debts. Um, and if, if we sense that's becoming a problem, we try and say to the client, why don't you, we just close your case for now, um, get whatever else it is sorted out that you need to do, focus on that, and then come back to us when you're ready to work with us. So some of the clients that don't sort of get to that stage of being debt-free, it's actually partly because we've encouraged them just to uh, sort some other things out first and then come back to us at a later stage. And have you had people who've done that, who've who've come back? Yes, yeah, it ha- happens quite no. often, yeah. Oh, really? Yes. yes. Yeah. What, what so do that's... they do in the meantime? What sort of things are they sorting out? Um, so they might have, so it might be that they need, you know, treatment for, for health issues. Um, they need to get that sorted out. Sometimes they need to get the housing situation sorted out. They might, um, you know, people who are sofa surfing might, I mean, we, we we have worked with people who are sofa surfing as long as they've got sort of a postal address we can send uh, information to. But sometimes they want to get their, their housing situation sorted so they've got a better idea of what their income is and their outgoings are um, so we can build a realistic budget. Um, you know, sometimes they have family responsibilities that take over. Mm. So all, all sorts of and things. So for, from the ones you've seen who've gone through the process, it, it must be very rewarding to, to see people pay off their last Absolutely, last yes. Debt. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very exciting. I, I, I don't tend to work at, at that end of the cases. I work at the beginning of the cases, which I really like. It's really interesting. But um, every now and then I think it'd be nice to work in one of the other teams where they see people at, at the end of the process. Um, 
but as I say, we're quite we're quite good at yeah. sort of sharing those stories around, um, not not in absolute detail, but saying you know we've got sixty people went debt free mm. this week or whatever. Mm. Uh, do you know the figures of how many people Cap works with, um, more or less each year? Would it be? thousands yes hundreds. i i ought to know that information and it's uh, completely <laughs> <That's right. laughs> escaped me I, I think we've had something like 20, 20 odd thousand gone debt free in the history of cap so um mm-hmm. you know probably got you know a couple of thousand clients at a time um and one of my colleagues is probably screaming now and saying no it's this figure but it, it's certainly in the, <laughs> certainly, certainly in the thousands well, it does. It is uh, in the business of transforming lives, isn't it? To mm. to be able to pay off people's debts, and uh, well, for people to be able to pay off their debts, and I guess in the meantime, they're also learning the skills to to budget and so on. Yeah. Um, as I say, though, I, I sort of talk from a position of humility because each month you think, gosh, if you get an extra bill in or yes. you know something goes wrong. Um, we're constantly sort of skating on the edge of debt mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and every month you think golly and then <laughs> for the grace of god go i i don't know how we've made it over the years but you it's a scary it's, it's a scary prospect absolutely and you know and, and these things never sort of spread themselves out evenly you know so the you know your washing machine breaks down and then two weeks later the fridge mm. breaks down or so you know it's, it's never happened sort of six months apart you know and that's just the way life is but if you've got very little money to start off with those things just have a huge impact mm. is it better in terms of debt that if you have to borrow money is it better to take a loan out from the bank um than to have the credit card debt uh, what what sort of uh, money would you expect would you suggest that people borrow in what way um <laughs> yes find some were reputable with a low interest rate so probably the bank would be better than your credit cards tend to have higher rates of interest than the bank. Um, but, but you really need to look at, you know, what you've been charged for what you want to borrow and think, is it worth it? Is it affordable? You know, is, is the t- um, timescale for repayment reasonable? You know, you don't want to be paying off for years and years and years, but, you know, sometimes it might be better to have a slight for your budget if you think it's an item you really need it might be better to have slightly longer repayment term on lower interest than something that Mm. demands you pay off really quickly or bumps up the interest and that that, that's another thing to look out for you know sometimes firms will offer interest-free credit as long as you pay up when you're supposed to and the moment you go a day over you get huge interest charges so it's really important to look at things like that as well Yes, I think with, um, I know with mortgages, when we've had to remortgage or buy a house, we've looked at how much we can afford. And then at the moment, we've got a very long mortgage. Mm. We're going to have to work forever. My husband's going to have to work forever or at some Mm. point I'll start earning some money. Um, But it was, I I knew that we could only afford a certain amount each month. So that I, I said, right, this is how much we can afford to borrow and then tell us how much we can therefore, or rather this is how much we can afford to pay back mm. each month. So tell us how much we can borrow and over what term to make sure the monthly payments are, are affordable. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really important, that, yeah. that thing of working out what you can afford because as soon as you borrow a bit more than you can realistically afford, you, you're setting yourself up for, for, for debt problems. So just um, about you, Fiona, you've written a book on mothering, haven't you? Yes, yes. It's called The Diary of a Trying to be Holy Mum. Uh, 
uh, published by Instant Apostle. <laughs> um, it's rather a long-winded title, but uh, it's it's a novel, <laughs> um, but it's base it's basically a diary of a a young well youngish mum who's got three small children and it's looking at balancing faith and family life and the challenge that that is I know when my children were smaller um I used to think that mine were the only ones that had tantrums in the supermarket um and that sort of thing and you know everybody else's children were pretty well perfect and you know if if, if they weren't their parents had, had it sussed and they knew what to do and then gradually I realized that actually most parents feel like that and have those sort of panic moments of you know goodness what on earth do I do now and how, you know how do I answer this tricky question that they've just asked me at bedtime as usual um so I really <laughs> wanted to write something that would come alongside young mums in particular and say actually we all find it a challenge at times um you know, and particularly from the, because I'm a Christian, from the faith aspect of, you know, ma maintaining that that sort of relationship with God as well. And it it is a challenge, um, but actually we all feel like that. And, you know, just forgive yourself a bit um, and be accepting of yourself. So I hope that's I hope that's what I managed to say through the novel. Well, Fiona, thank you so much for your time today. Talk about time and um, for your advice. And if someone wants to get in touch with the CAP, do they just uh, email or look up the website? Yeah, so if they look on the website, we've got a, a free phone number, uh, which is 0800 328 0006. 0800 328 0006. And call that number and somebody will have a chat about a quick chat about your situation um check that you know we've got somebody somebody local in your area who can support you um and then they'll set you up with an appointment with that person and we'll take it from there um but yeah please so get in touch i mean i know no one knows what's going to happen but are you envisioning um going back to having face-to-face -face meetings would you would you go to the client's house and talk with them there is that usually how it works I mean not you but the people who do visit yeah the people who do the visits very much were hoping to go back to that and actually when CAP was um, growing and expanding that was very much one of our key key things was that we would have somebody who would go to the client's home and have a chat with them in their home um, because it's much easier to have that conversation face to face rather than over the phone and also if you've got somebody who knows a bit about what they're talking about they can say yes it's that bit of paper that you need to to send us and you know and have you got a copy of this bill so they can help clients get the information together and it, obviously it's much easier to do that if you're sitting next to somebody than trying to do it over the phone um so very much yeah we, we're hoping um and expecting once life is a bit more normal that we'll go back to that model of doing things Mm. So it's just a, a coming alongside, really, a non-judgmental coming alongside someone looking at the situation and looking for a way forwards. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think it's much easier to establish that sort of relationship if you're sitting in the same room as somebody um, rather than talking down the phone at them. Mm. Mm. Well, that, thank you for all you're doing, Fiona, with um, CAP and for all that your colleagues are doing as well. And uh, it's been really interesting to talk to you and find yeah. out about um, ways out of poverty. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been really, really good to talk to you, Claire. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Well, thank you for listening to that podcast um, with Fiona Lloyd and me, Claire Pay. Uh, I'd just like to comment a bit on ways out of debt because um, Fiona mentioned that one option is to um, uh, try to take on an extra income or try to work 
more hours. Uh, if you listen to the um, taxation podcast that I mentioned, there is actually a big a big problem because when you work more hours, your benefits fall off. So you um, you actually have a marginal earned um, tax rate METR, which can be as high as ninety percent. So every pound extra pound you earn, you lose ninety percent in terms of housing benefit and um, uh, universal credit and so on. So it can be very difficult to work your way out of debt, which is why often the second person in the relationship, if there are, if it's a double couple who are parents, will have to go out to work. And also I mentioned before about the taxation penalty on single income families. And by the time you're looking at a family on £50,000, or in fact, sorry, £60,000, you're paying the higher rate child benefit tax charge, which is £1,752. You're actually paying £6,392 more per year, which is £533 more per month for earning the same amount as if two of you were out earning. And of course, the government's often forking out for childcare and um, it's, uh, you know, it, it means that some people are not able to look after their children for as many hours as they want to. So I wouldn't want to suggest that actually the, the solution is always to have the second person out at work. Uh, I really believe that there should be fairer family taxation and that um, a lot of mothers in particular are working in low paid jobs around the children because they want to be around for the children. They want to be available for the children. And they're probably not earning even, you know, £6,000, £7,000 a year, which is the amount in extra tax that uh, someone is having to pay. So if the government could introduce a taxation um a transferable tax allowance. So the person who isn't working, isn't doing paid work, I should say, is probably working at home, isn't doing paid work, can transfer their £12,500 to their partner. They will then be saving a significant amount of money each month, which they can use to fund their time at home, looking after their children and um, look, uh, spending the time with them that they want to spend. So, uh, yes, that's what I think really needs to change in terms of poverty and um, fair, making it fairer for families. Of course, people with um, when you have a problem debt, then you really have to take action to start paying that off. And that's a, a different, uh, a different but possibly related issue. So thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, I'm going to put the statistics I mentioned at the beginning on Facebook. I'm going to try and get them on Instagram. I can never work out how Instagram works. And uh, I should also mention that mention sources of help are um, the capuk.org, which is the Christians Against Poverty, stepchange.org that Fiona mentioned, which is another debt help um, company and uh, well charity and entitled to.co.uk is a benefits calculator so um, if you'd like to follow me I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook um, occasionally uh, I'm Mothers Matter podcast there I'm at podcast mothers on Twitter and you can email me on mothersmatter at outlook.com um, if you have a minute to rate and review the podcast I'd really appreciate that and I'd also like to thank James Heed my producer so uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and that you'll join me for the next one which hopefully will come out fairly soon bye bye